Christians should respond to the depravity revolution. That is a topic we'll discuss today on the Christian Worldview radio program, where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host. The Christian Worldview is a nonprofit, listener-supported radio ministry. We are able to broadcast on the radio station website or app on which you are listening today because of the support of listeners like you. Thank you for your prayer, encouragement, and support. You can connect with us by visiting our website, thechristianworldview.org, calling our toll-free number, one 646 or by writing to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Now, before we get to the preview for today's program, we at The Christian Worldview hope you had a Christ-centered Christmas and are rested and ready to serve Him and your church in the coming year. And thank you for all your encouraging messages and the financial support you provided us at the end of last year. We took a step of faith last year with expanding to new stations, and so your support greatly helps us reach new listeners with the Christian Worldview radio program. Just one more announcement. I'd like to honor a friend and a Christian Worldview listener who recently went to be with the Lord. His name was Jim Upton. He wasn't nationally known but he was most definitely known by Jesus Christ and loved by his family and friends. Jim was 94 years old. He had three sons, nine grandchildren, 15 great-grandchildren, and also a sister as well. He lost his beloved wife, Mary, 10 years ago. And this is what his son said about his dad. Dad was saved as a young man and served the Lord through his whole life. He loved encouraging the believers to praise the Lord with their voices. But he also loved to encourage people with the Word of God and showing kindness and love to everyone. He was still doing Bible studies at different places, including his chiropractor's office, right up until the end. And again, he died at age 94. People were always amazed how he was still so active in his later years. His favorite answer was, have you ever heard of the grace of God? He always said that with a twinkle in his eye. So his son wrote that. And Jim Upton was of great encouragement to us at the Christian Worldview. We met him many years ago, and he came to Christian Worldview events in town. And from time to time throughout the year, he would write us rather lengthy emails or give us a call on the phone. As a matter of fact, just days before he fell, which led to his death, he and my wife Brody spoke on the phone. I pulled up one of his emails, and I'd just like to read a portion of it because It speaks directly to our topic today on the depravity revolution taking place. Notice his emphasis on the truth of what God's word says about the sinfulness of mankind, but also how he concludes with the grace God offers to reconcile us to himself. Here's what Jim Upton wrote. After listening to your program this morning, I again want to thank the Lord for your message to the world to think biblically and live accordingly. Violation of that simple, direct statement brings us to the moral and spiritual chaos of today. All through the program today, I was thinking of 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, quote, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. In context, the Holy Spirit is referring to those who are perishing, those without saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have been blinded by Satan to the truth, 
the truth from the sovereign of the universe that brings penetrating light to the heart. Their blindness, unbelievers, illustrates the reality and necessity of the new birth through Christ alone. Next paragraph. The waywardness of the unregenerate heart has crept into society in various ways through the world's history. It started in the Garden of Eden with, Hath God said? It flowed through man's past, which God helpfully revealed in the Old Testament, which human historians displayed in the books we studied in school, and which reporters of today write about in our newspapers. The all-have-sinned nature of mankind flourished one day with the crowd screaming, Crucify him! This rejection of the Lord Jesus amazingly resulted in the possibility of these same rejectors and all humans of all ages being made right with our holy, holy, holy God. A wonderful, amazing, and factual story of mankind's redemption. Last couple paragraphs from Jim Upton. But the deceiver didn't quit. This was displayed in your brief review of the recent history in the United States, namely how the world trumpets the actions of Satan, especially when coupled with the nature of man and how the rebellion of the 1960s developed into the more flagrant exposure of the heart of men and women today. The hath God said mentality has brazenly come out of the closet. Satan's prophets of utopia on earth through man's skills and wills did their job effectively in spreading their myths into and throughout our country into significant parts of the world. Yet, God's mercy prevails. His grace flows like Niagara Falls on steroids. His love is offered to all and is accepted by many of those struck by the enlightening power of the Holy Spirit. His action on unregenerate hearts produces miracles, miracles far greater than his first in Cana of Galilee, where he turned water into wine. As amazing as physical birth is, spiritual birth is much greater, both in what it is, what it causes in the human heart, what it means for the believer's future, and more importantly, what it means for the glory of God. The letter goes on, but that should give us a good sense of what God is able to do in the life of one surrendered to him. I'm so thankful for Jim's encouragement and the example of a man who knows Christ and made him known even until the end of his life. That is a great example for us all. And so our sympathies and prayer go to the Upton family. Our loss here on earth of Jim is truly heaven's gain. Now, here's why that theologically rich email that he sent to us is such a good segue into what we're talking about today, because our topic is how Christians should respond to the depravity revolution. From the very beginning, men and women have always resisted God's design for marriage, sex, and gender, and a host of other things as well. God designed marriage as a covenant between one man and one woman. And what did man do? Man soon took multiple wives. God designed sex for procreation, to have children, and also unity within one man, one woman marriage. What did man do? Man soon engaged in prostitution, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, and other reprobation. God created each person, either male or female. What did man do? Man soon desired and dressed to be the opposite. 
premarital sex, extramarital sex, unbiblical divorce, and abortion were early signs that God's moral design was being jettisoned in our nation. But now, as Romans 1 describes, a full-blown depravity revolution is rushing headlong toward a zenith. That which scripture describes as, quote, unnatural in Romans 1, homosexuality, has become mainstreamed legally and culturally. Now the same can be said for transgenderism. Only the desperately wicked heart of man knows where he or she will next seek sinful pleasure apart from God's will. Christians in the church are necessarily caught in the whirlwind of the depravity revolution. We certainly can't affirm what the Bible clearly calls sin. We love sinners enough to tell them that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We live and work and educate in our system that has chosen the side of God rejection and persecutes and prosecutes those who don't, quote, comply. So why has this depravity revolution become so prominent? Can't Christians just stay out of the way? And if not, how should Christians respond to the open promotion of it everywhere, from government leaders, in schools, at, quote, drag shows, with our laws, and even within our churches? Andrew D. Bartolo is a teaching elder at Encounter Church in Ontario, Canada, and the director of operations at Liberty Coalition Canada. He joins us today and next week to answer these questions and more so Christians in the church are informed and prepared for what is taking place. Andrew, thank you for coming back on the Christian Worldview radio program today as we talk about the topic, how Christians should respond to this depravity revolution. And the word depravity comes right from Romans chapter 1, where it talks about a society being given over. And it mentions the examples of homosexuality for men and for women. And then in verse 28, it says, And just as they, these are the ones that reject God, did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. And it goes on to give all these examples of that. And the chapter ends by saying this, And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. And I just think that summarizes so well what is taking place in our societies, you in Canada, us in America, and elsewhere around the world with regards to the sexuality and gender revolution that is taking place. This is everywhere now, as you well know, Andrew, I'm going to give you some examples. It's everywhere by political leaders and laws. You Last year in Canada, there was the signing of the Bill C-4 in Canada that was prohibiting so-called conversion therapy, the attempt to have a, a therapist or a Christian pastor try to help a homosexual not be homosexual, to save them out of that enslavement to sin. Just recently in America— what's called the totally misnamed Respect for Marriage Act, which codified same-sex marriage, so-called marriage, into law in this country, even after the Supreme Court ruled on it, I think five or six years ago. That just took place here in America. In California, one of our more liberal states, they just voted into law this year, quote, California law enforcement agencies shall not knowingly, 
make or participate in the arrest or participate in any extradition of an individual pursuant to an out-of-state arrest warrant for violation of another state's law against providing, receiving, or allowing a child to receive, quote, gender-affirming health care and gender-affirming mental health care in this state. So in other words, if another state has laws against a child going to get mutilation surgery of their genitals or hormonal puberty blockers and other things like that, if another state has laws against that, California will do nothing if that child comes to their state to extradite them back to their own state. They're going to affirm them in that pursuit. Not only, though, in political leadership and laws, Andrew, but also in schools and universities. I'm sure you've seen the Twitter account of Libs of TikTok. It's a very, very popular account, and we'll talk about that more today. That account recently posted this, that the CDC, this is the Centers for Disease Control here in America, is urging teachers to change their terminology by avoiding gendered language and using pronouns for their students. So they recommend, this is the CDC, saying, quote, use partner instead of boyfriend or girlfriend and use chosen names and pronouns rather than what God actually made them, what they really are. Now, let me just give you a soundbite of what this sounds like. This is a teacher making a video saying that we really need to do away with gendered classrooms. Three ways that you can make your classroom a little bit more inclusive to LGBTQIA plus students this coming up school year. One, let's get rid of boy-girl classrooms going into next school year. Okay, you can divide your students by animal names, by different colors. You can organize your students by table numbers. You can do a lot of different things without buying into that gender binary that students, regardless of if they can verbalize it, may not quite fit into. Number two, assuming a child's gender also tells you what kind of games they want to play or what kind of toys that they're going to be into does a disservice for exposing your children to all the different types of play and relationships that they can form in a school setting. Three, representation matters in the way that we ferociously try to represent all of the different cultural identities of our students. I think we should also do that with their LGBTQIA plus identities. Okay, Andrew, so that was a teacher saying we need to get rid of gendered classrooms and not divide students by boy and girl, but have them in groups of you know animals or numbers or that sort of thing. And then we need representation ferociously, I think is the good word here, because that's what they are. They're ferocious in promoting this ideology. Other examples, I could go on here, but just for the sake of time, the media and corporations are promoting this endlessly, Andrew. General Motors, big, huge car company here in America, funds transgenderism efforts in classrooms. Fox News says Cosmopolitan Magazine released a new article on Wednesday recommending 100 gender-neutral names for your future heir. They say it's 2022, and more so than ever, people are engaging in open conversations about gender fluidity and actively working to break the very tired male-female binary. And you sent me an article that was really, truly incredible. We're going to get into later, Andrew about what's going on in Canada, the protests of the drag queen shows up there. We'll talk about that later. But the question is, after all those examples, and it's beyond what I even said, after 6,000 years of recorded human history, 
this has existed, by the way, homosexuality and cross-dressing and so forth. This is not new, so to speak, but it was always in the shadows, but it was never actively promoted in at least civilized nations. Why do you think homosexuality and transgenderism has become so prominent in our societies today, and why should this concern Christians? Well, David, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. You have been a good friend to the church in Canada. You've exposed a lot of the craziness that's been going on up here. We don't get a ton of love from Big Eva, either up here or south of the border, so I'm always grateful for an opportunity to speak about what's going on and also inform your listeners, so thanks for that. There's kind of three small answers to the question, kind of a big meta answer, something that's a little bit more of cultural shifts, and then one that's a shorter, more in-our-face answer. And so the big answer is this. In the garden, what Satan brought to Adam and Eve, aside from the sin of idolatry by saying they could be like God, we actually see Satan in approaching Eve with the question the way that he does and not Adam— is actually trying to distort the roles of husband, wife, and man and woman in the garden and in the culture. So he goes to Eve, and Eve, who should have said to her husband, is that really what God said? I can't remember, Adam. What did you tell me? Or Eve, who should have said to the snake, deal with my husband. He's responsible for the family. She decides to take on a role that's not hers, and her husband fails in the role that is his. And then after sin comes in, they blame one another. And so one thing that we see clearly in the garden— is that men and women who've been made in God's image with distinct roles and responsibilities that come together in a one flesh union that is supposed to communicate the love that Christ has for his people, Satan attacks that at the very center of it. And we see even in the garden a distortion of what male and female uniquely are and how they're supposed to operate. So the meta answer is this is a satanic agenda that has been running the entire length of human history as he desires to rob God of the glory that's due his name by attacking the image bearers of God and by distorting the single institution that God has given to communicate the gospel to the world, namely marriage. So that's number one. That's oh, That's been going on for, for 6,000 years now. The second answer, kind of zooming in a little bit, is these cultural shifts – are ones that kind of happen over time. It's funny that Paul writes the words that he does really just a number of centuries before the end or the twilight of the Roman Empire. What we see kind of historically is that as cultures enter their decadent phase, we're going to get a little historical sociological here, but as cultures enter their decadent phase, they're prosperous, they're safe, there's no more wars to fight, they have lots of resources and everything's built up. What happens is that men and women are no longer, quote unquote, needed to be men and women. You don't need men to guard the wall anymore. You don't need men to build buildings and build infrastructure. And because of all the decadence and because of all the prosperity, what happens is androgyny comes shortly thereafter. We saw this in the twilight of the Roman Empire and in the Greek Empire as well. You see towards the end of the height of the Greek Empire, a lot of sculptures of men are very effeminate, feminine features, no body hair, smaller bodies. You see the prevalence of pederasty as well, men having sex with boy prostitutes. As cultures enter the decadent phase, the male-female distinctions start to vanish and androgyny starts to win the day. And so that's what's going on in our culture. It's just our turn. It's our cycle where we've been so decadent, so prosperous, 
that men and women don't have to, quote unquote, be men and women anymore. So this is why androgyny is pushed. And again, we can't forget that this is driven by Satan. The whole thing is driven by him who desires to mar the image of God in his image bearers and take from God the glory that belongs to him alone. If we zoom in a little bit more, we see aside from just the cultural waves over the course of human history, this is really the rotten fruit of the sexual revolution and I would say feminism that's now full bloom. So the first wave of feminism is often seen, I would say, incorrectly so, as this move that women simply want to be equal to men. They want to be the same as men in terms of the right to vote and the ability to work. But the truth is, and I can't really get into the history of it, but when you actually delve at the initial suffragettes, the sort of seance new age occultism that they were connected with, it was always about the elevation of women over men, regardless of whatever was pushed forward. And so this battle, this gender twisting that happened and begun really in the middle of the 1800s, eventually morphed into second, third, and now we're kind of in fourth wave feminism, if you will, which just again distorts the male-female distinction, erases all of the distinctions between men and women. And so what we see now is really the full bloom of seeds that were planted almost 200 years ago that were allowed to grow in the soil of Western culture. And it's aided, of course, by cultural Marxism in the late 1800s, kind of a neo-Marxism and critical theory coming out of the Frankfurt School in the early 1900s as it infiltrates the United States on the coast in Berkeley and Columbia, in the university and in the academy. Culturally, that's where we're at. Again, the whole thing is driven. It is a satanic agenda to destroy the thing that God has made to communicate his love for his people that his son has for his bride. It's just these cultural moves we've seen over and over again. And specifically for us, this is a cake, if you will, that has been in the oven for almost 200 years. And now we have it for us to see. And Christians who've been asleep and the church who's been asleep, save for men like Schaefer, J. Gresham Machen, have been unaware of what's been going on. And now here we are. Wow. Thank you for that. Andrew DiBartolo today with us on The Christian Worldview, talking about how Christians should respond to the depravity revolution that is in full bloom. I know it can go deeper, and it probably will taking place right now. We'll get into that in a bit. Uh, Andrew is the Director of Operations for Liberty Coalition Canada. We have the link for that organization at our website, thechristianworldview.org, if you want to find out more. Andrew is also a teaching elder at Encounter Church in Kingston, Ontario. Now, really quickly before our first break, we are offering In His Image. This is a feature-length documentary film, 110 minutes, two DVD set, Uh, That focuses on answering these kinds of questions about gender and sexuality from a biblical perspective. You may remember that we featured this about a year ago on the program, but we're doing so again for those who didn't get it back then or who didn't hear the program. So you can get it for a donation of any amount to the Christian Realview. It's entitled In His Image. Just get in contact with us the usual ways. Go to our website, thechristianrealview.org. Or you can order it by phone, one 646 2233 or write to us at Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. You are listening to The Christian Worldview. 
I'm David Wheaton. What is the Christian Worldview radio program really about? Fundamentally, it's about impacting people, families, churches with the life and eternity changing truth of God's word. We know the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only message that saves us from God's wrath, by God's grace, for God's glory. And we know the Bible is the inspired word of God, providing the only way to think and live to the glory of God. We are a nonprofit listener-supported ministry. If you would like to help us impact listeners with the biblical worldview and the gospel, consider becoming a Christian worldview partner who regularly give a specified amount to the ministry. As a thank you, Christian Worldview partners automatically receive many of the resources featured on the program throughout the year. To become a Christian Worldview partner, call us toll-free 1-888-646-2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org. Scripture commands that children are to be brought up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Offering biblically sound resources for children is one of our top ministry priorities. At our store at thechristianworldview.org, you will find carefully selected children's Bibles and books, along with video and audio resources. Check out the Bible infographics for kids' books, Little Pilgrim's Progress, and the popular Adam Raccoon set. Theo is a 15-episode video series addressing key doctrines of the faith that is a must-see for children and adults. Satan and the world are bent on capturing the heart and mind of your child. Instead, get sound resources that will train them up in the way they should go. Browse and order at thechristianworldview.org or give us a call for recommendations at 1-888-646-2233. That's 1-888-646-2233 or thechristianworldview.org. Welcome back to The Christian Worldview. I'm David Wheaton. Be sure to visit our website, thechristianworldview.org, where you can subscribe to our free weekly email and annual print letter, order resources for adults and children, and support the ministry. Our topic today is how Christians should respond to the depravity revolution. Andrew D. Bartolo, the Director of Operations for Liberty Coalition Canada and a teaching elder at Encounter Church in Kingston, Ontario, is our guest. Andrew, here in America, a man dressed as a woman named Rachel Levine, that's his chosen name, Rachel Levine, is the Assistant Secretary for Health in the Department of Health and Human Services, has a fairly prominent position. And he said this recently with regard to healthcare providers about COVID-19, but really about what the healthcare providers need to do what he calls gender and sexual minorities. Here's Rachel Levine. Health professionals have a critical role to play. We must continue and to expand their work to address health misinformation directly with their patients. Now, this includes, but it goes beyond COVID-19. So I'd like to just talk briefly about another area of substantial misinformation that is directly impacting health equity in our nation, and that is the health equity of sexual and gender minorities. There is substantial misinformation about gender-affirming care for transgender and gender-diverse individuals. We are in this nation facing an onslaught of anti-LGBTQI plus actions at the state levels across the United States, and they are dangerous to the public health. 
the positive value of gender affirming care for youth and adults is not in scientific or medical dispute. So we all need to work together to get our voices um, out in the front line. We need to get our voices in the public eye. And we, can, we know how effective our medical community can be talking to communities, whether it's at town halls, schools, conversations with others. And we need to use our clinician's voice to collectively advocate for our tech companies to create a healthier, cleaner information environment. During a moment when public trust in our leaders and our information is very challenged, the healthcare worker community, the medical community does, I believe, maintain a high degree of trust. And we have to utilize that effectively. Okay, Andrew, that's coming from some of the highest positions in our country, in America, Rachel Levine, again, a man dressing as a woman who is the Assistant Secretary for Health in the Department of Health and Human Services, talking about how the medical community needs to be on the front lines of this coordinated effort to combat what he calls misinformation. First, you talk about the lies about COVID that are out there. You would think at this point that none of these people in government who lied perpetually about this. Well, if you get the vaccine, you won't get COVID, you won't get sick, you know, you won't transmit it and so forth. Of course, that's all been proven false. But he gets into the gender and sexual minorities, which means homosexuals and transgender people. And that there's, quote, substantial misinformation about, quote, gender affirming care. Now, just gender affirming care is for children getting irreversible surgeries on their genitals and so forth, or powerful hormonal drugs for children to delay puberty and so forth as these children feel like they're not the right sex or right gender. He just goes on to say these things are not in dispute and that we need to advocate for tech companies like social media companies to create a, quote, cleaner environment. In other words, suppress opposing viewpoints. Basically, everything he stated was exactly the opposite of the truth. And so it could lead you to believe that there's some sort of psychological, like a PSYOP, they call it, a psychological operation going on with the public to tell people the exact opposite of the truth in order to achieve some objective. What do you think, Andrew, when you just hear that audio soundbite from Rachel Levine? Yeah, the first thing that stood out to me was when he said misinformation. I found myself saying, yeah, that charge has been leveled against a certain group of people the last two and a half years that we've come to find out we're right about everything. So misinformation and often those on the more radical progressive left, they merely project on their political opponents what they themselves do, right? And so they'll say, oh, you're dealing in misinformation when in the reality is they deal in misinformation far more, right? They'll say you're a racist when in fact they're the most racist. You're a sexist. They're really the most sexist. So there's a part of projecting against your political opponents what you yourself do, because the truth is in the last two and a half years, no one, no one has been dealing in misinformation more than our elected officials, our unelected health bureaucrats, and the legacy media and big tech, which have merely been their propaganda arm. And so this leads to your question about it being a PSYOP, and the rea- yeah, absolutely it is. It's Orwellian. The idea that you must be in line with the party, right? That you redefine words, double speak. Words don't mean what they're supposed to mean anymore, right? Misinformation from people like Rachel Levine really means the truth. Reproductive healthcare, gender-affirming surgery, 
really means destructive, life-destroying procedures. So we're dealing in opposite world. And the hope is, and we saw this during the last two and a half years, that if you have the entire legacy media apparatus proclaiming this is the truth, which is being echoed by all of the entire health establishment, all of our elected officials. I mean, we see now with the release of the Twitter files that the FBI working in conjunction with social media to suppress certain speech, to have people like Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya removed off of Twitter when we find now that they've been vindicated, they've been justified in what they're doing. This absolutely is a play to bombard the public with lies and not just lies and fear and not just lies and fear, but anxiety to make people worried and afraid that the only people that have the answer for them is the God and father state and health establishment. So the redefining of words and the flipping of reality on its head, this is them. This is the state. This is the health establishment trying to be God saying we define reality we tell you what male and female are. We tell you what marriage is, which is God's role alone. And so it's not just a psyop. That's what it looks like to us on this level. But I'll be saying this many times over throughout the course of the interview because I've been saying this on repeat in the last two and a half years. This is a deeply spiritual battle. This isn't just about a sociological cultural thing. We're dealing with another false religion with the various gods of said religion. And this is a spiritual battle where the truth is we have to believe Jesus in John 8 when he says that if you are not in submission and union to the living God, then Satan is your father and Satan is your master. And even though you might not be aware of what you're doing, and even though in your mind your intentions might be good, at the end of the day, like Jesus says, you do the will of your father, who's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. And Rachel Levine, that very confused man with a mental illness, is pushing something that is not only full of lies, but will lead to destruction of life. So he is a liar and a murderer, just like his father the devil is. Hmm. And Christians would be, do well to get off of this. It's a cultural thing. It's a social thing. It's a political thing. It is all those things on the ground level. But there is a demonic agenda behind what's going on, and it's no coincidence that the state, the health establishment, they're not setting their sights on all religious groups. The Muslims have been able to get away with a lot of stuff in the last two and a half years. I haven't seen any rabbis arrested, but I've seen Christian pastors arrested. I've seen Christian churches fined into oblivion. This is a spiritual battle with Satan at the helm directing people who are under his influence to come against the church and the image of God, to rob God of the glory and the worship and the honor that are due to him alone. We need to understand what's going on here, and that's what's going on here. That is very well answered, Andrew. And you talk about this satanic battle going on. We read that right in the beginning of the book of Job, that there's a spiritual battle in the heavenlies, and it's played out not only in the heavenlies, but down here on earth as well. So thank you for explaining that and bringing us back to understanding that this isn't just a, a culture war. This is a spiritual war going on. Andrew DiBartolo of the Liberty Coalition in Canada is with us today. He's also a teaching elder at Encounter Church in Kingston, Ontario. And just as a reminder, as part of today's program, we are offering In His Image a feature-length 
documentary film designed to equip Christians to answer culturally controversial questions about gender and sexuality from a biblical perspective. You can get the film for a donation of any amount. Just go to our website, thechristianworldview.org. Call us toll-free, 1-888-646-2233, or write to us at Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. I'm David Wheaton, and you are listening to The Christian Worldview. David Wheaton here. For a limited time, we are offering My Boy Ben for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. The book is the true story of a yellow lab that I had back when I was competing on the professional tennis tour. It's about relationships with Ben, my parents, with the childhood friend I would eventually marry, but ultimately with God, who causes all things, even the hard things, to work together for good. You can order a signed and personalized copy for yourself or for your friend who enjoys a good story, loves dogs, sports, or the outdoors, and most of all, needs to hear about God's grace and the gospel. My Boy Ben is owned by The Christian Realview. It's 264 pages, hardcover, and retails for $24.95. To order, go to thechristianrealview.org or call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. What is the Christian Realview radio program really about? Fundamentally, it's about impacting people, families, churches, with the life and eternity-changing truth of God's Word. We know the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only message that saves us from God's wrath, by God's grace, for God's glory. And we know the Bible is the inspired Word of God, providing the only way to think and live to the glory of God. We are a nonprofit listener-supported ministry. If you would like to help us impact listeners with the biblical worldview and the gospel, consider becoming a Christian Worldview partner who regularly give a specified amount to the ministry. As a thank you, Christian Worldview partners automatically receive many of the resources featured on the program throughout the year. To become a Christian Worldview partner, call us toll-free 1-888-646-2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org. Thanks for joining us today on The Christian Realview. I'm David Wheaton, the host. Just a reminder that today's program and past programs are archived at our website, thechristianrealview.org. Transcripts and short takes are also available. Our topic today is how Christians should respond to the depravity revolution. Andrew D. Bartolo, the Director of Operations for Liberty Coalition Canada and a teaching elder at Encounter Church in Kingston, Ontario, is our guest. Just want to read two quotes to you, Andrew, one from Dennis Prager, who's not a Christian, he's Jewish, I think he's an Orthodox Jew, well-known radio talk show host. He said, we are, I believe, the worst society, referring to the United States, in the world, in terms of hurting children deliberately in our medical professions. I'm referring specifically to the hormone blockers, the mastectomies on girls who are perfectly healthy and the like, I think we're the worst society in the world in that regard, unquote. The second quotation is from a person named Macy Manolo, who is a drag performer. So I'm assuming this is a man dressed like a woman in Niagara in Canada, in your region. I took this out of the column that you sent me that of what's taking place where you are. 
And he says this, the drag performer, we cannot step down. We are not going back any more years. There are so many people who have lost their lives, have lost opportunities in their lives because they're being suppressed by bullies. And there is no way that we should stop what we're doing. We're not doing anything wrong to begin with. If we stop, we're letting them win, and we cannot do that, unquote. It's a very contradictory quotes. And you see this on social media. Someone will post something in favor of, let's say, traditional biblical morality, and then the replies underneath will be exactly to the opposite, just vitriol uh, going back and forth. And so my question, Andrew, is where's the end game here? Where is this whole depravity revolution going? And what happens to societies that go to this degree of deconstruction of God's design for marriage, gender, and sexuality? Where this goes, if I could, I guess, hypothesize as to where this goes next in terms of what will be some of the next cultural pushes, it's the sexualization of children and the acceptance of pedophilia. So that's where this goes next. That's the immediate play. And this is almost clearly the case. I mean, the article I sent you, their definition of grooming and their understanding of grooming is so myopic And they think that there's nothing sexual about a man dressed up as a woman wearing makeup in drag in front of a bunch of kids. It's it's Romans 1, right? Their foolish hearts are darkened. They think they're wise, but they lack understanding. So where this is going next literally is children are being sexualized. Children are being told as early as when they're born, two, three, that they're allowed to make decisions about their own gender. We'll let our kids decide. So we are are hyper-sexualizing children. And the only reason you do that is to awaken children to the reality of sexuality in order that it might be taken advantage of. So the next push, and we saw this right after the Obergefell decision in the United States, right on the heels of that. I've seen videos of a number of people doing TED Talks saying that pedophilia or minor sex attraction is – an issue. It's it's a condition. It's something you're born with. So now they're saying it's an immutable part of who you are. That was coming right away, redefining pedophilia, destigmatizing pedophilia. So that's where this goes next, which is atrocious and wicked and vile. But the question behind that is why does it go there next and what's after that? And the answer, again, is similar to the one I gave regarding the ultimate spiritual agenda which is the utter destruction of marriage, because marriage is the thing that God has given to communicate the gospel to the world. This is Paul's point at the end of Ephesians 5, when he talks about husbands loving your wives, wives submitting to your husbands, and then he goes on, it says, I mean, this is a great mystery here, but I'm talking about Christ and the church, but husbands, you should still love your wives and wives respect your husband. Paul's argument is from the very beginning, when God creates Adam and Eve, a part of that design is this is going to communicate to the world how much the son loves his people and how his people submit to him. So Satan's going after that. That's the first thing. So that's marriage. But then why children? Well, because children are the means through which believers advance the kingdom of God. Believers fulfill the cultural mandate. It's the training up of children, right? Psalm 127, they are arrows, in the quiver of a man, and arrows are not something that you hang on the wall for everyone to see and be in awe of. They are tools that are designed to take an offensive. 
And so children in the lives of believers should be seen as those that we are to disciple and nurture and raise in the care and admonition of the Lord. And then we send them into the world to do what? To proclaim the gospel, to call sinners to repent, to shine light into the darkness, to engage in the culture, to be a voice of reason, to be about bringing cultural change, political change. And so parents are supposed to raise their children up to that end. And so the goal is you destroy marriage and then you destroy children And that allows for this evil agenda to keep moving. So where this goes unchecked in North America is a rather dark place. And I'm tempted to agree a little bit with Dennis Prager, although it's difficult to do a full one-to-one and compare cultures. I mean, during the first century, the Roman people, if babies were born with some sort of physical deformity, they would throw them into the garbage piles for the dogs to eat them. And then Christians would come and rescue them. I mean, that's pretty vile. What we do is also vile. So it's tough to compare to see what's better or what's worse. But what I will say is like Rome, like Greece, like Babylon, like Persia, like Assyria, whenever a culture reaches that phase of decadence where it has abandoned God, it has abandoned his law, and it has begun a full-on assault on the image of God in creation, that culture— will see its end. And and what this looks like for us in the West, and I'm not a doomy gloomy kind of guy. I'm not a the microchips are the mark of the beast and the helicopters are the grasshoppers in Revelation kind of guy. I'm I'm a little more measured in my view of things. But what this means for Western culture is if this progresses, is the end of Western culture as we know it. A culture that hollows itself out to this degree cannot stand on its own foundation, it will collapse in on itself. What that looks like, the Lord only knows, but it's not good. And personally, I think that Western culture is in its twilight. I think that what we're seeing here, in many ways, it's, it's a line that we have crossed with what we're mm. doing to children, that it's like Micah, when he pleads with Israel in the first bit of the prophecy, there's still a chance, turn back, repent, come to the Lord, he, maybe he'll show you mercy. And then in their obstinance, the second half of Micah is him saying, listen, it's coming. The judgment of God is on its way now because you have turned your back on him too many times. I hope that's not the case. But something deep inside of me looks at what's going on and says, surely we're at that point. Surely we're at the point where the evil is so celebrated. But it doesn't go anywhere good culturally. That's for sure. Mm. I agree with what you just said, Andrew Bartolo." With us today here on the Christian Worldview radio program of Liberty Coalition Canada, you can find out more about their efforts in Canada to push back against this depravity revolution that's taking place by going to thechristianworldview.org. There's a direct link over to them. Also, you can find out more about Andrew that way as well. And we have the second part of the interview with Andrew coming up next week on the program, but I want to make sure that we announce or make you aware of what's being called Biblical Sexuality Sunday. This was an an initiative started by Liberty Coalition Canada, and I'll just read the press release for it, with Bill C-4 becoming law. This was in Canada last year, and that law prohibited what they call conversion therapy, or people trying to convert, so to speak, homosexuals or transgenders away from that. Our federal government has declared that the biblical foundations for marriage and sexuality are, quote, myths and stereotypes, unquote. 
The truth is that God has designed both men and women as well as marriage itself, and his design has been true since the beginning of time. On Sunday, January 15th, 2023, we at the Liberty Coalition Canada would exhort you, this is written to pastors, to preach a sermon focused on a biblical sexual ethic in God's good design for marriage. We hope to have thousands of pastors across North America participate in this initiative. We believe the Lord will use this united effort to both declare the sovereign lordship of Christ over his church and transform many lives through the life-changing power of the word of God. And so we have this press release linked at our website, thechristianworldview.org. We encourage you to go to our website and forward this link to your pastor so he can preach a sermon on the biblical sexual ethic either on Sunday, January 15th, or at least another Sunday at some point, because this is a tidal wave coming at not just culture, but the church as well. And Andrew will get into that next week, how it's impacting the evangelical church as well. And to be frank with you, I'm not very optimistic that this depravity revolution is going to be slowed down at this point. Once a nation has been given over to this kind of reprobation, Apart from a supernatural revival, there is no going back. It only gets worse. But that should only make us realize that we need to preach the truth of God's word even more boldly, because God has some that will be saved in the midst of this. There might be someone listening today who has a family member or maybe a person themselves who has these temptations or has practiced this sin in their life, whether of homosexuality or transgenderism. Let me just tell you what the Bible says. You are not beyond forgiveness from God. You are not beyond being born again. The Bible says God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so listen to what Pastor Alistair Begg said recently about true saving faith in Jesus Christ. Someone said to you, what does it mean for you to be a Christian? Would you tell them I was once alienated from God and I have been reconciled through the death of his son? I once viewed everybody from a completely worldly perspective. I once looked at Jesus and he really meant very little to me at all. I once viewed myself and as far as I was concerned, I really was as good as the next person and there was no legitimate reason as to why I would not be welcomed into heaven. And then I looked upon the cross and I realized that this Christ was dying there for sin, but he was a sinless man. And then I understood that God was not counting my sin against me, but was counting my sin against his son. And I said that he would die for me and bear my place. Would I not give my life away to him? We certainly should, because the Bible says there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. And it starts with realizing that we are sinners and alienated from God, and that if you don't accept by faith, receive by faith, God's terms of reconciliation, repenting of your sin, putting your faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ on your behalf, if you reject God's offer, well, then you will have to pay the penalty for your own sin. But why would you want to do that when God in his grace and mercy is offering you full and complete forgiveness? 
a whole new life here on earth, an eternal life forever with him in heaven. Put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord today. Thank you for joining us today on the Christian Worldview Radio program. In just a moment, there will be information on how you can hear a replay of today's program, order transcripts and resources, and support this nonprofit radio ministry. And just a final reminder, you can get the film that we are offering today. It's entitled In His Image. It's 110 minutes. It's a two-DVD set. You can get it for a donation of any amount. Just get in contact with us the usual ways, and our contact information is given immediately following today's program. Let's be encouraged. We are in the midst of a depravity revolution, but that's why we're here, to be salt and light in this world in proclaiming the only message that can save people from their sin. Jesus Christ and his word are the same yesterday and today and forever. So until next time, think biblically, live accordingly, and stand firm. The mission of the Christian worldview is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We hope today's broadcast encouraged you toward that end. To hear a replay of today's program, order a transcript, or find out what must I do to be saved, go to thechristianworldview.org or call toll-free 1-888-646-2233. The Christian Worldview is a listener-supported nonprofit radio ministry furnished by the Overcomer Foundation. To make a donation, become a Christian Worldview partner, order resources, subscribe to our free newsletter, or contact us, visit thechristianworldview.org, call 1-888-646-2233, or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview.